Welcome to Season 2 of Offscript with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Over the next few weeks, we'll be going off-script with Sam and other leaders from his network across the globe. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Offscript. I'm Sam Monk, and it's so great today to be joined again with Peter Prothero. We've got Peter Prothero here. He's part of our global team and has years of ministry experience and leadership. And we're talking about the dichotomies of leadership. Mm. And uh, last episode, we talked about uh, how leadership has a directive side and an empowering side. And so just quickly, if you want to get, uh, give people just a, a, a snapshot, a little a bit of a, a window into what we talked about last time, because we want to build on uh, that today. Yeah. Well, we just talked about how in our culture today, there's, there's a huge emphasis on empowerment, which is wonderful and we need it. But it's a little bit of a reaction to what historically has been directive leadership. It's been too much. But there is a place for directive leadership in Matthew 10 where Jesus is highly specific about what to preach, where to go, where not to go, and how to how to act while you're in the whole process. Yeah. But by the time you get to Matthew 28, which is the sort of end of three years of training, Jesus is incredibly empowering. He promises them that, that he's the one who's ultimately got authority. He promises his presence. And he gives them some very simple dynamics about making disciples, about teaching, and about baptizing or immersing people, if you like, yeah. into the Godhead. And so we have to be careful that we take people on a journey and we literally see some kind of process where, where we cannot remain directive all the time we may begin there but we have to trust people more and more and jesus i i think the thing about empowerment is you take a risk even before you think people are really truly ready yeah that's true yeah you take the disciples ever ready yeah you take a (laughs) chance on people they'd been around jesus enough for him to to take a chance. And Jesus was incredibly provoking at times. So like with the feeding of the 5,000, you know, in that story, the disciples are telling Jesus, look, send, the, send them away. They're yeah. hungry, everything. And Jesus turned around and says, you feed them. Yeah. And, and, and you, he didn't tell them how. Yeah. And you could hear that as a pressure. It's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, that's too much. <laughs> or you could hear it. Maybe he's trying to empower them. Yeah. And he's saying, okay, Jesus, we can do that. Tell us what to do. Yeah, wow. They they could have responded differently, but but they just said, "Oh, two hundred pennyworth is not enough." You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. In other words, their mind was operating at a very horizontal, natural level. They didn't jump to the idea that maybe the miraculous could happen here. And, and that story is interesting because it's in all, all four of the gospels. Yeah. And Jesus would later refer to it. As well, and it's in Mark six, and then it's in Mark eight. Yes, and when he refers to it, it's all about the faith issue, isn't it? It's about the faith, and so they experienced the miracle, yeah. but they didn't change their thinking yeah. as a result of the miracle. And and that can happen sometimes in directive leadership. People can be part of everything; <laughs> they can be, they can even embrace the behavior, yeah, but still they haven't learned the lesson that you know they need to to really be empowered in leadership. Have you found that? Yeah, absolutely. So so when they come back from that first sorte of, of preaching and teaching, Jesus asked them this question. He said, did you like anything? Yeah. And they said, no. And and that was the lesson he was trying to teach them, that, that even though they took no money, they took no extra clothes, they didn't know where they were going to stay, they weren't booking hotels, it was all about finding a man of peace, there was provision. 
And wow. Jesus wanted each one of them to have that experience. And I find the same thing. So, so for instance, Sam, when we, when we moved to Denmark and took our entire family to Denmark, that was an incredible faith step for us yeah. in terms of finances and accommodation, all of that. And then moving and back to London. speaking another language. And speaking another <laughs> language. And then moving back to London, it was the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, was in a, I, was, I had tenure. I was secure. I had a beautiful six-bedroom house. Yeah. Uh, and it was coming back to… Six bedrooms you got a lot of kids because i got exactly <laughs> and we knew we couldn't afford the same thing back in london but we we took that step because because we fundamentally believed this is how god is leading us and he will provide and we had faith in that that god was big enough to provide what we needed in that moment and so in that sense you know empowerment is all about can i having been directed having been uh, exposed, if you like, to certain experiences, those experiences are designed to enlarge me and my capacity for faith. That's great. And a big thing today, I know a lot of people involved in training, Bible colleges, seminaries, and, you know, a lot of people go through a seminary, a college, you know, get a degree, Bachelor of Theology, you know, I ticked all the boxes. You know, I should be empowered in leadership or I should be able to lead something, you know, and be effective in it. But you would have seen over the years, many people ticked all the boxes, yeah. uh, had their experiences, but still some, somehow, well, something's missing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful that when I went through Bible college, I did three years of a church-based Bible college. But when I graduated from that, I, I did a, an additional five years of apprenticeship. Wow. In situ, under a senior pastor, learning from him. And, you know, the word disciple literally could be translated apprentice. I mean, we, we, in one sense, we never graduate. But, but what we do is we do increase our competency over time. We do increase our skill set. But our skill set is always displayed within a particular context. And sometimes when we change the context, we actually need to add other skills. Wow. Uh, and so this empowerment process, I think, goes on all the time. It's 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 more like a sine curve than a straight line. It's not linear. Yeah. You know, it's seasons and it's cycles. And sometimes I'm back into having to be more directed because I'm in a new context, a new situation. A new grace needs to be applied in this context that I might not have, but I need to be connected to someone who does have it. And in that sense, there has to be trust. And I have to... You know, in order to for someone to be directive in my life, I have to trust them. That's true. That they have my best at heart, and they yeah. they're really operating out of a, a level of grace that I have confidence in. Yeah, because the empowerment thing, you know, as we mentioned before, and I I'd own this. Uh, you know, some of my biggest mistakes, and I think they're good mistakes to make because we've got to take risks with people. Is I've empowered people uh, probably ahead of their time. <laughs> Um, without giving some direction to it, and when would you say a person is ready to, you know, take take a risk on? Well, we're all a risk. Let's face it. But when at what level? Because Peter was still pretty raw when he preached his first <laughs> sermon on the day of Pentecost. He w- he was, and that you know that is the sixty four thousand dollar question. But but one of the things Only I look sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I look for is. Um, when a person is is given a responsibility, how do they handle it? How do they handle success? Um, in other words, do they take all the credit or are they able to include the team in the credit? That's good. 
So, so that sort of speaks to the humility part of a person. And then I look to see, you know, if it doesn't go well, how do they handle failure? Because, because I think, you know, success and failure point to our character wow. in, in terms of the way we handle it. Sure. And, and failure is, is, is meant to be a learning experience. It's meant to say, okay, this didn't work out the way I planned, the way I wanted, the way I expected, but what can I take away from this so that I don't repeat that mistake? You know, have right. I, is there something I can learn from this? And is there something I can talk about with the team so that this doesn't become the embarrassing unspoken thing that we never talk about? Because it didn't happen. And especially if I bigged it up with faith declarations and stuff like that, yeah. I think it's important to say, okay, friends, look, this is, this is, I was expecting this. This didn't happen. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Yeah. And, and I think that's a big thing because a lot of leaders just go on straight on to vision, but everybody knows what happened last time they declared vision yeah. and it didn't work out. Yeah. And I think to bring integrity to a vision, you've actually got to talk about what didn't go right. Yeah. You don't have to camp there, yeah. but at least acknowledging it because everybody knows it. And it's sort of just uh, everybody goes, ha, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. And I think within Pentecostal charismatic circles, we, we overplay um, the God talk in vision. You, you know, I'm comfortable with saying I have a sense, I have a hunch, yeah. I believe. Yeah. You know, my gut feeling tells me this. I think sometimes I'm around um, – Strong leaders who who say things like you know, um, God's told me, God's showed me, and it can be a, a little bit of a um, well, it be, a manipulative because it can be manipulative and it's intimidating. Yeah, it's like wow, you you heard from the Lord. Um, I don't want to contest with the Lord. Yeah, I, I don't want to argue with Him. Um, and I think in leadership to say it more softly that allows for dialogue. It allows for. Um, people to share how they're sensing things. You know, Paul, it's really interesting. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says this. He says, we have the mind of Christ. I like he doesn't that. say, I have the mind of Christ. I like that, yeah. Yeah, it comes out of dialogue. It comes out of relationship. And, you know, one of our big sayings in Equippers is, significant ministry flows out of significant relationships. So it's, it's out of that sense of connection and collegiality where – Yes, we believe the Holy Spirit speaks. Yes, we believe the Holy Spirit guides and leads. But you're filled with the Spirit. I'm filled with the Spirit. I trust the grace on your life. You trust the grace on my life. Let's just talk. Yeah, that's great. Let's just talk. And, and you know, if suddenly you say something out of your grace, I want to hear that and I want to put weight on that. That's great. And if I say something out of my grace... But sometimes I think we overload it with God talk that just loads things in a way that, that actually suppresses real fellowship and real dialogue. Well, I think it also doesn't build ownership. Yeah. It doesn't build ownership. And the whole empowering side of things is you want to empower somebody um, not to do their own thing because, you know, sometimes the whole word of empowerment can lead people to a sense of independence. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. you want to empower people when they have – an understanding that they're part of a body and we need one another. And, you know, when it comes to what the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, there needs to be a witness to it. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, with the Pentecostal church, or, you know, other people is, you know, as you said, I've heard from God. Yeah. God's told me. But, well, they should, that should be submitted somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. It, sh it should be submitted and there should be a witness. If it's God, it's like, well, the Holy Spirit is – 
you know, not saying things that are contrary to one another. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's not working against. And you get that in Acts 13, you know. I yeah. mean, you know, one of the questions that I have about Acts 13, which is where Paul and Barnabas and the other leaders are together, and then they fast and pray to minister to the Lord. And out of that context, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. And then it says, and then when they had fasted and prayed, so in other words, they took that word and you get the sense that they're weighing it. Yeah. They, they didn't just send them out. They fasted and prayed longer. Yeah. Because they're going to lose 40% of their leadership team. Wow. And so there was That's this fasting call. and prayer. You know, and my, my, my question that, that I have for Luke is, did, did they have a sense before they went into that meeting that this was going to happen? Or, or was that a little bit of a bolt out of the blue? Wow. Yeah, that they all had to wrestle with, including Barnabas and Saul. Yeah, that they because they'd worked really significantly well as a team together, building that leadership team in um, in Antioch, and now the very originators who'd shaped that team are the ones who are leaving. Yeah, who are being called to leave. Yeah. You know, not you know, you could understand it if it was like Barnabas and one of the other guys, Lucius or whatever. But yeah. but Paul and Barnabas, the two guys who really gave shape to that church. And so no wonder they fasted and prayed. But then there was this courageous step. Yeah. And they moved out. That, and that's, that's the church empowering the leaders to follow the vision and the mission of God. That's great. Believing that they would be good, that they would be taken care of as well. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a good thought because you've you got to take that time to actually get um, even agreement. And we know the power of agreement uh, but how many people, you know, sometimes move ahead? Yeah, yeah. You can never move ahead of the, uh, you know, the level of agreement. They often say that unity is fa found at the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And I think you know the challenge of leadership is not to go too far ahead that you're not taking people with you. You want to, you know, just unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you have to read where a group of people are in their journey. Because I think that the danger is as a leader is is you're always going to be, for the most part, you're always going to be ahead of where people are. Yeah. But we forget how long sometimes as leaders we've processed things and we've worked things through. Wow. And, and so in, if it took, let's say it took us six months to develop vision, well, it, it, do you think that the church is going to catch that in like three weeks? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's true. It's like you've got to be careful that whatever it took you to process, well, it may not necessarily take them that long, especially if you can articulate it really well, but you've still got to take people on a journey and you've got to have the majority with you. Yeah. You know, you don't need 100%, but boy, you need around about 70 well, even, I'd, I'd even say higher than okay, that. Okay, okay. If you, yeah, if you can, yeah. you can. But yeah. I think you know, wisdom would say, you know, giving people the time to process. One thing we don't do as a church is we don't vote yeah. <laughs> on things, but we do give people an opportunity to speak to vision. Yeah, because ultimately they're the ones who are going to, uh, you know, outwork it, fund it. Yeah. yeah, and and if you don't have ownership, yeah. you're on a hiding to nothing. And I think one of the things that we do really well in in Equippers, and it's it's an expression you came up with that I really like, is you you, you talk about cascading yeah. vision um, with a leadership team. So, so in other words, 
you know, let's say you've got your senior leadership team, you've got your, your pastoral team, you've got your elders, and they talk together and they come to agreement. And then you cascade down to the next level of leadership, all the people who are on full-time staff, all the people who are actually implementing and are going to be at the front line of that. You know, you cascade it down to there. Is there agreement now? And then you go to the next level of leadership. Volunteers, yeah. Yeah. And so I remember when I did this about the transition um, between me as the senior leader and Mark Collard as the senior leader. I I, I worked through that cascading process. Uh, and it didn't take long. It, I, yeah. I, I was able to do it in four weeks, mainly because every time I did a level of cascading, there was an unbelievable level of agreement. Yeah. And, and, you know, for a week, there were some people who cried and some people who had just said, oh, I know this is the right thing, but, you yeah. know. Uh, and I just gave them time. Some of it was a grieving. You know, some of it were, were other things at play. But what was amazing to me was when I stood in front of the church and said, look, I just want you to know I've processed this with the elders, with the trustees, with all the full-time staff, with all the senior leaders in the church and all the volunteer leaders in the church and we are all in complete unity. Now, when you make a statement like that, <laughs> oh, that's you got weight behind it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you know, and the church almost celebrates. I've been in yeah. places where they go, yeah, it's, it's almost a celebration, yeah. not Be a celebration of you going, Pete, because no. we all love you. But <laughs> no, but because you know, as soon as yeah. the meeting's over, if you don't do that, as soon as the meeting's over, somebody's going to go to one of the leaders and say, "What do you think about that?" Yeah, and I wanted to make sure that. We were all on the same page. Yeah. And so this idea of cascading is, is a really good, you know, Psalm 133, yeah. the oil flows from the head to the skirts of the garment. Yeah. There's, there's a process of cascading downwards um, so that everybody's covered in the anointing. Everybody is, is involved, if you like, in that, in that, um, that process. Yeah. And it actually made the transition unbelievably smooth. I mean, when I tell people we did it in two months, they can hardly believe it. Yeah. Well, some guys are taking six years. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, why are you taking so long? Well, we want to have, you know, a steady handover. Well, yeah. you know. You, you can move at the pace of agreement. And, and that's, that, that's a key phrase there yeah. that people should take note of. Yeah. You can move at the pace of agreement. And here's the thing. Agreement is so unbelievably powerful. Yeah. Because, you know, where there is unity, it is like the Jew of Hermon. It is like the oil. Yeah. There is a flow. There's a momentum to it. It moves. Mm. You know, and, it, you know, if you anoint someone with oil, it doesn't take a year to reach the skirts of the garment. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it might take half an hour, but it doesn't take a year. Yeah. And I, I think we need to be more adventurous but not because we're pushing something on people, but because we're generally giving people time to consider a, de a decision. And the other thing I found in leadership with this whole empowerment thing is that over time you build such high levels of trust yeah. that what took a month for people to make a decision on and process can, can be done in days. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, and, and you've just built that level of unity, that level of trust. And, and empowerment is also when you've got a level of relationship, there's trust there. You know that they're going to carry uh, the heart, the spirit yeah. of, you know, and you can empower them to make decisions. It may not be yeah. exactly the decision you would make, yeah. but the spirit and the heart of what they're doing is yeah. in line yeah. with who we are together yeah. as a people. And I think that's where we say significant ministry flows out of significant relationship yeah. is, is and, because you can have the conversations also. Exactly. 
And and for me, one of the things I had to process, and Sam Chand really helped me with this. He said, Peter, you're not resigning as a senior leader. You're transitioning. Yeah, that's great. And I really loved that because it was like it was like I'm I'm moving from here to here in order to do something new and different. Yeah. And so so it it spoke to any potential fear and insecurity I had that I can actually let go of this. Because I think a lot of leaders, when they let go of something, their question is, what am I going to do now? Well, I think the big um, thing in, in that, it's too much about leaving. Yeah. And it's not enough about following. Exactly. And having a revelation of what the next season looks like. Because just because you retire yeah. from a position doesn't yeah. mean your call <laughs> has gone with that position. Your call... Um, is always there. Exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't finish when yeah. you retire from yeah. that, yeah. from a, a space that, or a responsibility that you've been carried. It's just now your call is outworked yeah. differently. And being able to, you know, see what, uh, being able to comprehend what that looks like, I think is really important because that makes, yeah. <laughs> leaving doesn't become an issue when you know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, Sam Chan talks about this, particularly in America, but. There is very little succession planning going on in churches now. That that many many churches are led by leaders in their late fifties, mid mid to late fifties, and nobody's really thinking seriously about the next ten to fifteen years, when when all of those guys are going to be transitioning in one way or another. And it's like, well, who who is actually coming through, and are they being intentional about thinking? Who am I developing? I remember when Mark Collar came on staff in our church. I was very intentional to think this is a future leader here. Yeah. And I think um, I want to honor, you know, Bruce, yourself, you know, people who have transitioned well into um, different seasons because there's not a lot of models no. <laughs> uh, where that's happened well. And the person who's, you know, resigned from a, b- a position then goes on to a, a greater level of fruitfulness <laughs> outside of the position that they once carried and for some people they can't even fathom that yeah <laughs> that that could happen yeah um because you know either they've been institutionalized or they're stuck yeah but i want to say you know i want to honor you guys because um you're, you're proof that it can happen <laughs> and uh, you're proof that um you know when you walk with a grace and an understanding that you know my my call is not related to my position yeah and you go on that journey of faith even in your senior years, am I allowed to say that? You are allowed to say that. <laughs> even I, I, even in your senior years, yeah. you know, it's really set a course for another another generation to come through. Which, you know, a lot of guys are holding on beyond. Well, they're holding on too long simply because they haven't been able to apprehend the next season yeah. and what it looks like. And I think we need to see more models of um, people like yourself. Yeah. Who, who really go on that faith journey and say, hey, I know God's got more yeah. in this next season. And, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I continue to step out in faith. And, you know, we need more, as we, we, we need more fathers. <laughs> we need more people stepping into, into that place and empowering another generation as well because, you know, that's, uh, we've got to empower people. Yeah. And I, and I think Equippers is, you know, like you said, I, I'm glad Bruce has done it. I'm glad I've done it. And, it, you know, faith was involved in the whole way. 
you know, the older you get when you're when you're in a particular role, you know, there's a certain security that you develop. You know, security in salary, security in position, security in in routine, and then God comes along and disrupts all that, and and He does it in a very kind way, in the sense that God says, you know, there is more if you're willing to let me disrupt your life. Yeah. You know, and you know, Bruce said that to me. You know, he said, "I think there's more if you're willing to to to, to let your life be disrupted again." <laughs> that's big. Oh, well, we're going to have to finish it there, and that's a good note to finish it on. Will you let God disrupt <laughs> your life? Uh, this is off script. I'm Sam Monk, and uh, it's been great having Peter Prothero Thanks. with us. And we hope you got something out of it. If you've been blessed by this, please do share. Um, share it with other people like subscribe whatever you do there but we'll see you again next time thanks for listening to Off Script with Sam Monk if you found this podcast helpful make sure you pass it on we love your feedback so drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Off Script with Sam Monk